Welcome to the Anthem Church Podcast. Our desire is to transform lives through authentic experiences with God and with people. This message is brought to you from Anthem Church in Fairview, Oregon. We pray you are encouraged, inspired, and strengthened through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. If you turn your Bibles, if you can, to 1 Timothy chapter 6, Again, I want to reinforce uh, that message by a small group. You know, um, as it, when the church gathers, it is stronger. When the church scattered, is, it is weaker. And so small groups had an opportunity while we scatter from uh, get together, we're able to commune together throughout the week and go deeper in fellowship and in community. If you could pray with me if you can. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do thank you and praise you for the opportunity to minister your word. Father, we do yield ourselves to you. We ask, God, that you would allow us, God, to experience you this morning. We thank you for the worship and the praise and now for the opportunity to feast at the feet of the Master. Lord, I pray that you will stir those gifts that are within me, that you'll bring all things to my remembrance, that you would help me to rightly devour the word of truth and place the information at a level that each person can receive and grow thereby. Help me, Father, to build upon the foundation that has been laid by Pastor Brad. And Father, to assist and aid in the fulfillment of the mission of this local church. Devil, we do speak to you boldly. We remind you that you have no place. We resist you, not to give you place. No weapon form against this service is going to prosper. And we declare that it is in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading at verse 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and the Bible reads, Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I'm going to be teaching from the subject, the mystery of generosity. The mystery of generosity. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, particularly in verse, uh, verse 7, it says, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can't take nothing out. But we can send it ahead. Yeah, we cannot take anything out of this world that we brought with, that we brought nothing into, but we can send it ahead, and that's a mystery. And that's a mystery that we're going to try to uh, discuss this morning. Pastor Brad has been teaching us on God's financial plan, and he taught us that we have to work out a strong financial foundation. He said in doing that, we have to remember that God is our source. And he taught us several laws, and one of the laws was the law of ownership, that we have to recognize that God is our source, that he owns it all, the law of ownership. 
And then he taught us about the law of tithing. He says, in that we have to honor God with our first. That is, by the way, also an evidence or a demonstration that he does on it all. And then he also taught us about the law of investing. He said we have to save money faithfully. That's how we walk in the law of investing. And then he taught us about keeping good records, the law of accounting, that if we're gonna fulfill God's financial plan, we have to keep good records. That's the law of accounting. He talked about the importance that we must budget, we must plan our spending, we must set up repayment plans, and we must make a will. What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna build upon what he laid out, and I wanna focus on the law of ownership and the law of tithing. The law of ownership and the law of tithing. And so, so in order for this message today to have clear relevance in your life, you have to first follow all the things he shared on last week. Because I'm gonna narrow in on the law of ownership and the law of, of tithing in dealing with the mystery of generosity. How many of us believe that America is one of the most generous countries in the world? Yeah, it's unmatched. I've traveled the world, and as great as other nations are, no other country is as generous as the United States of America. We have our faults, we're not perfect, but in the area of generosity, we outdo any other nations in the world. As a matter of fact, that is one of the things that makes America great. But with that, our greatness is not in our generosity. Our greatness is the fact that we serve a great God. We serve the God of generosity. How many of us believe that? In other words, we're not generous because we're special. We're not generous because somehow we come from a generous land somewhere that creates Americans. We are generous because we serve a generous God. For God so loved the world that he gave. And out of that, us as Christians, we share a legacy of Jesus Christ that understands that to serve God is to give, to serve God is to be generous. And that has been built into the DNA of this nation. And that is what has made our nation great. The day after Thanksgiving, we serve a day, we have, there's a day that is called Black Friday. That is a day that, is set aside to go shopping, holiday shopping, and to exercise one of the freedoms of America, which is the freedom to shop. As great as great, good Black Friday is, there's another day on Monday that was created after the internet called Cyber Monday. How many of us participate in Cyber Monday? Cyber Monday is a day set aside particularly for the millennials, whereby we shop, but we do it online and it's become one of the greatest shopping days in the world. But there's another day that has been established, which is very American. It is called Giving Tuesday. How many of us know about Giving Tuesday? And so Giving Tuesday is a day set aside to try to outdo Black Friday and Cyber Monday. It is a day that is set aside to exercise American generosity. It is a day that is set aside to show the world that we're not just hoarders and shoppers, but also that we're givers. And so on this Tuesday, I want you to do me a favor. As I share this message today, it's happened kind of coincidentally, I want to model this message on Tuesday. 
beyond your tithe and beyond your offering. On Tuesday, I want you to go online and give to Anthem Church. Let's make this Tuesday one of the biggest giving days of our church so that we can show the world that not only are we generous, but we are generous in the household of faith. Because see, the challenge with Giving Tuesday, it is that it promotes giving in a very general sense. It's about giving to all kinds of causes, all kinds of things, to things that fight nature and poverty and things that fight animal rights. But here most of us do we know that our generosity must begin in the household of faith. Because truly, if God is the generous one, if he's the one that created and formed the whole idea of generosity, who modeled it, then we must begin our generosity with the Lord. And so join me on Tuesday as we walk out this message to make that Tuesday the biggest giving Tuesday of our church because it being giving Tuesday, we will exercise that by modeling right here in our local church. How many, how many of us want to join me in that? Now, sound a little excited. <laughs> now, so let's talk about it. Because as I go through this message, on Tuesday, you have an opportunity to exercise it. But before we get to that, the key to becoming financially fit is generosity. You see, generosity is an attribute, is a, is a guiding principle of financial fitness. And it is one of the ways that really models and demonstrates how fit we are financially. But before we talk about the mystery of generosity, let's talk about what exactly is generosity. To be generous means to be a philanthropist. We've heard this term before, and many of us attribute it to people like Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, to be very wealthy people. But I have news for you this morning. You are all philanthropists. Because that word comes from the Greek word, which simply means the love of humanity. A philanthropist is a lover of human beings. It is one who exercises their love for humans by their giving. Modern day philanthropy dates back to the Greek philosopher Pluto. Now Plato, he modeled philanthropy by the fact that he gave his estate post his death to ensure that his school continues to run after his death. In other words, philanthropists do not just give in their lifetime, but they make sure that post their lifetime that they keep giving and showing that the things they care about, the things they believe in, continues to exist. Each of us can be a philanthropist. Like the Greek philosopher Plato, we can ensure that beyond our lifetime, that the things that we care about can continue to exist. Some examples of philanthropy have been laid by some of the founders of, of this nation, some of the entrepreneurs that have helped shape America. Do you know that our library exists today because of philanthropists? Do you know that many things that you and Joe so did that are so part of our institution was not established and shaped by government, but rather by individuals who, through their giving and their generosity, wanted to make sure it continues to exist. 
the things that makes America great, it is not the government, but rather it's individuals like you and I, who through their generosity are continuing the values that we've learned to ensure America's greatness. In the Bible, we see examples of that kind of generosity in King David. King David, he modeled his generosity in ensuring that even after his death, that the temple of God was to be built. And he gave sacrificially, he gave of himself, and he gave of his abundance, and he gave in such a way that he would feel a price as the church of God was being built, as a temple was being built. Another example is the widow with the might. Now, one thing about this widow is that Jesus picked her out out of the crowd. As everybody was giving, Jesus looked at the treasury and he noticed a woman who didn't have much. But the Bible says she gave, others gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her lack. In other words, in proportion to everybody else, this widow gave more than everybody. You see, it's not how much you give. It is how much you sacrifice in your giving. Can you say amen with me? It is not how much you give. It is how much you sacrifice in your giving. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, in verse 14, it says this. For the law, the entire law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that is well modeled through our generosity. So kingdom philanthropy is worshiping God through the increase of our time, our talents, and our treasure. In other words, to be a kingdom philanthropist, one who not just gives out of a sense of personal generosity, but out of recognition that God is our source and all we have comes from him. We brought nothing in this world and it is certain that we will take nothing out. We give out of an act of worship. It's an act of worship to God, an act of worship to the Savior. We give of our time, our talents, and our treasure. I myself was convicted by God. As God reminded me that Patrice, no matter what you do out there, it is what you do for your local church that even matters most. Are you giving of your time and your talents and your treasure within your local church? As Hannah asked us today to participate and to be involved in this play coming us, one opportunity that each of us have to give our time and our talents for our local church. Now, how to be generous? How do we exercise this generosity? Number one, if you're gonna be generous, you gotta give out of the purpose of your heart. You see, generosity cannot be manipulated, and many, many preachers and many uh, churches really deal with this idea of manipulating us into giving. That doesn't work because you cannot manipulate God. So it's got to be something that you purpose in your heart that you're going to do. Because see, worship is very personal. Worship is something that I do because I'm convicted and compelled to do because of my desire to acknowledge the God of my life. So it's got to be based on your purpose of your heart. The other thing is, if you're going to be generous, you've got to work. you got to work. Because see, workers are givers and givers are workers. Because I cannot have unless I'm able to produce. And so if you're going to be generous, you've got to work. The next thing, if you're going to be generous, you've got to give out of what you have. No matter 
How much you give for God? If you don't have it, you don't have it. So give out of what you have. Because as you give out of what you have, God is able to move in your life so that you are able to be provided for. Also, you got to give your time, talents, and treasure. As you see some of the people in the Bible who gave first of themselves before they gave up their money. And a good example of that was the Philippian church. If you read scripture, the Philippian church was much poorer than the, Corinth, the church of Corinth. But the church of Corinth, in their prosperity and in their all that they had, they did not give themselves to the Lord. So first, give of yourself. Because God does not need your money. He needs your heart. He desires to fellowship with you. He doesn't want anything to come between you and him. So first, give of yourself. The next thing is how do you be generous? You've got to plan your gift. See, generosity must be intentional. It's not something you do by and by. You got to plan your gift. And so if you're going to plan your gift, you must exercise the first planned gift. You say, appreciate what is the first planned gift? The first planned gift is the tithe. See, the first planned tithing is not something we do spontaneously, accidentally, here and there, but it's something we plan for. Coming to church on Sunday, you plan your tithe. You know how much you've earned, and you set aside 10%. That is sacred. That's something that is the Lord's and the Lord's only. The first planned gift is the tithe. The second planned gift is gift of assets. Gift of assets. You might say, what is that? That is when you give of your resources, not money, but you're giving stocks or you give a car or you give a house or you give an estate to the things of God or any other charity. But if you don't first tithe, your gift of assets are not as relevant because the tithe is an act of obedience. Then give of assets. The next thing is you can give through institutions such as foundations. If you're going to be generous, you don't have to plan your gift, but also you've got to be open to give spontaneously. Yeah, spontaneously. Like the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, as he was walking by the way, going to work, whatever he was doing, right, he was moved by a need along the way, and spontaneously he responded to that need. From time to time, here at your local church, you'll hear about the needs of the church, right? As we prepare to end the year, the pastor Brad may make an ask where we spend 10 years respond, above our tithing and offering, where we spend 10 respond to that particular act. Unfortunately today, many of us respond spontaneously only when we are emotionally manipulated. And as a result, we've created bad habits. But you should not allow yourself to give spent out of manipulation. But it must be out of sincerity and a sincere response to God's conviction. So if you're going to be generous, you've got to be open to spontaneous giving. And the last thing, if you're going to be generous, you've got to also be willing to give sacrificially. Yeah, sacrificially. You see, spontaneous giving is when I give out of a response of the moment because God convicts my heart. But sacrificial giving is a gift that hurts. Yeah, a gift that hurts. In other words, you had, you had money set aside for something you really want to do. 
right? And, and, and because of a need or because of an ask, you chose painfully to let that go. In other words, it hurts you. You forego a, a personal pleasure or personal desire so that you can give. See, when you give a gift that hurts, you touch the heart of God. Because as you're feeling the pain of that gift, God knows you are sacrificing and his heart is being touched. That's why Jesus was touched by the widow with the mite, with the two mites. Because she gave a gift that day that hurt. Because Jesus knew, giving her circumstance, she could not afford to make that gift. It hurt. And because it was hurting her, it touched the heart of Jesus. So as you exercise generosity during this season of generosity, I want you to plan your gift. If you're not a tither, become one. I want you to consider even gift of assets. I want you to give spontaneously. And I want you to give sacrificially. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Ephesians 4, 28. And it says this. 428, let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hand, what is good, that he may what have something to give who has need. So if you're going to be generous, you've got to work. And by the way, not just work, you also got to exercise the laws that Pastor Brad talked on last week. Because if you don't live on a budget, if you don't live your life in such a way that you consider the fact that you are a steward of God's resources, you will not be as generous as your heart desires. Now, why do we give? Why do we give? Well, first, we give to demonstrate the lordship of God in our lives. We give because we recognize that God is our God and Money has no control over us. We give to demonstrate our love for God and for others. We give out of that Greek concept called philanthropy that we love as a human beings. We give to lay hold of eternal life. We give to fulfill God's covenant. We recognize that God has given you and I the power, the ability to work, to get wealth so that his covenant can be realized. A story is told about the great evangelist Billy Graham that a preacher who needed some money to be able to do some open door tent meetings, and this businessman gave him some money so he can do it. And at that particular meeting, a young man named Billy Graham came to Christ. Fast forward, that man transformed the world as we know it because of the gift of one particular individual. You see, you never know what your gift is gonna do. But guess what? God has given you and I the power, the ability to gain, to acquire, to earn, so that his will can be realized. And there are many people being touched by this church, by your generosity that you have no idea. Only in glory would you see and know the impact that your generosity has done because his will is being realized through our generosity. The next reason why we give is to ensure ongoing provision, not only for ourselves, but for others. You see, this church is cared for because of your generosity. 
our ability to have a facility, pay the light bill, ensure that the staff, those who, have, who are modern Levites, who consecrated themselves to serve our spiritual needs, whether it's the youth pastor, the family pastor, the administrative staff, our senior pastor. You see, these individuals, they rely and depend upon our generosity so that they can continue to serve us in such a way that is honorable and they can take care of their own family. The example I like to use is this. Would you like to go to a doctor who will work all night long just to make sure he can practice medicine and who now has got to take care of your body? Or would you like to take a plane, take a flight with a pilot who's worked all night long just to make sure he can fly? He's tired and sleepy, but he's got to fly you from here to New York. You will not feel safe. So why would you want your pastor, your minister, those who are dedicated themselves on a full-time basis to care for our spiritual need, why would you want to work two, three jobs just to minister to our soul? Are you following me? And so we have to be generous so that those who have dedicated themselves and consecrated themselves to take of our children and our youth, to take of our soul, that they may be provided for because it's a sacrificial life as all of our lives is. And the church economic engine is your tithe and offering and our generosity so that the church of Jesus Christ can continue to exist. It's not because God needs your money. It's because God wants to partner with you and I that his work and his purposes can be realized in the earth realm. So why do we give? What's the impact of our giving? It is so that we can model generosity with our children. You see, as you give, your children are watching, and your children are seeing, and your children are learning. During one of our devotional time, as we were sharing reflection, my daughter, you know, she said, we talked about the things that have impacted us the most. She says, you know that? <clears throat> what has impacted me the most is tithing. Now, she's 18 years old. She said, tithing. She said, I know you guys think I'm selfish. I know you guys think that I don't like to give much, but I don't play with the tithe. I looked at my wife. I said, she's been learning. Why, as selfish as she is, she does not mess with the tithe. What is she, how did she learn that? From her parents, you see? Because as we model it, our children are watching, and they're watching us and learning from us. Now, let's conclude with this. What is this mystery about giving that I talked about? What is the mystery of generosity? Well, turn your Bibles, if you can, to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at this mystery called the mystery of generosity. Now, I did not grow up in church, and I had to learn about the things of Christ in my early 20s as I came to Christ. And there's some things in Scripture that I had to, I struggled with. I said, how does this work? And this particular thing to me is a mystery. And I'm sure it's been a mystery for many of you guys as well. When he says in Scripture that you brought nothing into this world, but it is certain you can take nothing out. But then he says, you can send it ahead. How do you do that exactly? That's the mystery. So look at chapter 6. And let's look at verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and wrath destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. 
But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here's what God is suggesting, that the earth is not a safe place to save your money. There's no bank, there's no security place, there's no safe that is safe enough on earth for you to keep your money. Wherever you put it, it's gonna moth, it's gonna rust, and by the way, thieves might steal it. He said, but there's a place that is very safe, and that place is in heaven. Here's a question, how do I get it there? That's a mystery. How do I get it there? And then he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You see, the way that we get our treasure first in the heavens where it's safe is through generosity. You see, you cannot, you didn't, you came into the world with nothing, and it is certain you can take nothing out, but you can send it ahead. How do I do that? Through my giving. You see, when I give, I send it ahead. It goes before me, and it transforms itself into spiritual blessings that awaits me as I go on to heaven. The other piece is, as I give, I am demonstrating where my heart is. You see, if you want to know where your heart is, look at your bank statement. Look at your annual budget. Look at how you're spending your money. That will tell you where your heart is. You say, Patrice, I don't have much, but the, much you, the little you have, how are you spending it? Where's your heart? Because see, where your heart is, there also is your treasure. Is your heart in Starbucks? Is your heart in credit card bills? Is your heart in the malls? Is your heart in McDonald's and restaurants? Is your heart in that girlfriend you're spending all that money for, right? Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Simply just look at your financial statements and see where most of your money is. And if at least 10% is not going to giving, then your heart is in the wrong places. It's a simple math. Because he says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Because it's not how much you have, it is what you're doing, what you got. You say, Patrice, I've been trying to change some habits. I've been struggling with my spirituality. I'm really trying to get this in together. And I'm struggling with it. I have a simple remedy for you. Redirect how you're spending your money. And your habits will change. It's a mystery. Because see, if your heart is in the things of God, your body will have no choice but to align to the things of God. If your heart is in the things of the world, your body, no matter what you say, will align to the things of the world. Because where your heart is, there your treasure is also. It's a mystery. Just change your spending patterns and watch your body line up. It's a mystery. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Yes, your body is here, but is your treasure here? Because see, your body follows your treasure. Your heart follows your treasure. It's a mystery. The other biggest mystery is this. Money is the only thing that competes against God. Look at Matthew chapter 6, 
Look at verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The only thing in scripture that the Bible calls mammon, the only thing that can compete against God. Well, how do we overcome that? How do we ensure that this thing does not win as it's going after our heart against God? We direct our treasure in the things of God because that is the only way to protect our hearts against mammon. And so as I conclude, where is your heart? Has been your spending pattern? We're not entering the season of spending. How will you spend your resources? On Tuesday, let's begin this by exercising Giving Tuesday with our local church. Right now, begin to plan your gift by becoming a tither and review how you're spending and redirect it so that your treasure can be in the things of God. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We are located at 1415 Northeast 223rd Avenue in Fairview, Oregon. You can find us online at www.anthemfamily.org and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at My Anthem Family. God bless.